like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and I'm super excited today to be joined by Jared Green, who is the author of uh, I'm Okay, Building Resilience Through Physical Play. Did I get it right? I think so. I'm holding it right here. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, So, Jared, tell folks what you want them to know about you. (laughs) Sure. Uh, I'm Jared Green. My pronouns are he and him. I am currently the director of the Children's Community School, which is a private preschool in West Philadelphia serving uh, a little less than 80 families. Um, I have been uh, the director of this school. This is my third year, uh, but this is my seventh year at the school. Um, I was a preschool teacher for a number of years before I moved to early childhood education. I was uh, just trying to count up and I've been in early childhood education for almost 18 years now, which blows my mind. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a kid who's uh, three and a half years old. So that's brought a whole new flavor to things as well. You lucky um, ducky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. So, uh, yeah, that's my deal. Awesome. awesome. Cool. Well, I um have kids who are 27 and 25 now. So everyone around me is probably sick of hearing me (laughs) talk about my transition, my difficult transition into parenting adults. (laughs) Mm, mm, I believe it. I haven't quite figured it out yet. So I just talk to other people about their babies. I'm sorry. (laughs) So Jared, thanks for agreeing to be on. I read the book. Um, It's been on my radar for a while. I'm not sure how long it's been out. Um, A few years. Three, uh, three yeah. years or so. Yeah. So it's been on my radar because I've seen quotes, uh, you know, on the internet mm-hmm. going around. And then um, I think Lisa Murphy's newest book, she she re- made a couple of references to it. Oh. So I was like, I just have oh, to read it. I yeah. I keep, I keep seeing And every time I see something, I agree with it. <laughs> so I'm like, I better just read the whole book. So I did over my winter break and it was really, really um, uh, it was a, it was a great read. It was interesting. And it was so um, timely for me because I'm in the middle of having lots of conversations with people about why a little bit of risk is, is good and what resilience really means. So, um, so thank you. 
Great. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> so here's the quote that we're going to unpack um, from the book. It says, uh, you say children need safety, but safety isn't all they need. Children also need discovery. They need challenge. They need adventure, joy, surprise, and comfort. They need hands-on learning and trial and error. They need all the variety of experiences that together add up to a childhood. So state your case. <laughs> Yeah. It's not self-evident. I don't know. <laughs> it um, is, but just in case someone doesn't agree. Sure, sure. With me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I mean, when I started uh, thinking about resilience specifically and, and presenting workshops on it and started writing about it, um, and, you know, one of the kind of questions that I would get or the themes that, that people would talk about or ask about uh, was the idea of safety and, and the old phrase safety first um, mm -hmm. and how do you reconcile that with the idea that you're going to let kids do risky things sometimes um, and sort of the, the realization that I had was, was this idea of safety first but not safety only mm -hmm. um, and the way that the idea of safety first can kind of morph into the idea that safety should be maximized in every way at all costs uh, and really starting to see for me, really starting to see what are the things that get lost when that's the way you interpret the idea uh -huh. of safety first. Um, and, and those other things are, are the things. Um, and so I really, I'm a big believer in the idea of, uh, of the whole child and mm -hmm. the holistic approach to development and to assessment and, and my school is as well. Um, and so really seeing uh, when it, whatever the situation is that you're looking at with young children, really seeing what are the ways this would impact a child's body, but mm -hmm. also a child's emotions and a child's social development and a child's cognitive development and a child's academic development, that all of these are our needs. And, um, and there's way they, they intersect and interact with each other. And sometimes one might come at the expense of another. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, making something safer also means it's less inviting to curiosity and experimentation, or it means it's less social, or it means it doesn't have the, any of a number of learning opportunities that it might otherwise have. Um, and so I think it's really important um, not just to find a balance between the need for safety and, and other needs, but to be just very, um, very conscious, very mindful of what are the trade-offs we're making, what are the values that we're holding to, what are the compromises that we're making uh, in any given choice, because you can't have all things all the time. You're making choices between things. Um, yeah. 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 So I really like the way you end that particular quote um, by by bringing the word ch word childhood mm -hmm. into it. So you talked about children, of course, but I think if we start talking about childhood instead of, and I've said this on other episodes, instead of programs for children or experiences for children or, or even early childhood education, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it brings a whole different focus in. Right. And it sort of humanizes things. And I think that's a big part of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is humanizing what we're offering for children. Yeah, and I think you can do that. I, I think you can come at um, that kind of idea from either a very kind of um, 
analytic perspective and, and kind of say, well, let, let's go down the list of physical development, cognitive development, social and emotional development, and let's kind of tease out the learning goals in the various areas. Mm -hmm. But you can also just, you know, whenever I present on this, and this is in the book as well, I try and create a lot of opportunities for people to reflect on their own experiences and their own childhoods. And like, what do you connect to when you think back to your childhood? What are the exciting times? What were the scary times? Mm -hmm. What did you get out of the things that you remember? Um, because so often people, you know, putting it in that human uh, arena, people think back to their childhood and are just like, oh, I remember this hill that we would climb up and we would roll down and we'd do that, you know, and just kind of get this look on their faces uh -huh. they're even remembering. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's why it was important. And you could say, yeah, a lot of social development came out of that, which yeah. sure, true, and a lot of emotional, a lot of whatever else. There's lots of learning in it. But even that's a little bit of a trick because actually what came out of it is these are your human experiences <laughs> and the richness of life and they're the things that, that impacted you and, and, and made you who you are. Um, so I think, I think you're right. I think taking it to that very human space is a really important part yeah. of what, what we should always be doing. Yeah, and I'm not, and I thought about this as I was reading the book too, but I've I had sort of wondered through it before, but I'm not a particularly physically active adult. Like I, I teach preschoolers in the morning. So I do a lot of running around with them and up and down off the floor. But then when I'm home, I'm on the couch, you know, knitting yeah. or cross-stitching yeah. or reading or those kinds yeah. of things. But when I do think about my childhood experiences, they were all pretty active and a lot of them pretty risky. Like I can remember, um, we had a burn barrel in the backyard Ooh. where we burned our trash and right. my neighbor Mike and I would um, pull all the plastics out and put them on the end of sticks and like melt them over the fire. And uh -huh. that was our uh -huh. art and save those yeah. trinkets. Yeah. And I still have a scar <laughs> from where the milk carton <laughs> dripped on me. <laughs> um, but that didn't like, I just, that's such a great memory yeah. for me. Yeah. And I survived it. And I'm, I probably, I don't know that I'm saying I should, I'm going to go start a fire in the preschool tomorrow morning right, right. and let them melt plastics, but just that Although, perspective. as an aside, I did light fires in one of my classrooms some years Great. ago. Yes. There was, there was, this is an aside, but there was, uh, in my twos and threes class, there was a lot of uh, firefighter play, but it was very abstract. Uh -huh. And I came to the realization that like all these urban kids, like many of them had literally no experience with fire outside of like the gas stove. Uh -huh. And, and so I got permission from my director and, you know, very carefully set up a safe environment, yeah. but carefully lit some fires in a big metal bowl. I would take a match and I'd light a piece of paper on fire and the kid's eyes would get really big. And then we'd squirt it with water and see why that put that out. And we'd talk about, this is why firefighters have hoses because oh, look that's how amazing. thing out. And their play got so much more specific <laughs> and so much more involved and so much more cooperative. Uh -huh. and it was incredibly exciting and really but also just fun because fire yeah. is cool. That's and right. of course kids are interested in it. And I was too. And so were you. Um, All right. Maybe so, I am going to start a fire in the preschool. Yeah, <laughs> but I would say, I think it's important to say, you know, I think the argument like, well, I did it and I'm fine is a terrible argument. Right. Um, Not condoning that thinking yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, it's, that's the kind of um, anecdotal thinking that's, that's a real logical flaw. But mm -hmm. it, but I do think it means, but I think the right formulation of it is I did it and I got a lot out of it. Right. And maybe a caring adult should think carefully about that opportunity for children and not yeah. discounted out of hand because it's quote unquote risky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than the, the burn on my arm, which I wouldn't remember probably if I didn't have a scar, 
really my only memory of injury as a child was I broke my pinky playing four square, mm-hmm. like just bouncing a kickball mm-hmm. ball. Mm-hmm. And that was like probably the safest thing I could have been yeah. doing on the playground that yeah. day. It's actually really striking to me how it's uh, it's almost always not the super risky thing that causes the actual injury. We just had, so this is very timely. Um, <laughs> we had a child uh, at the end of the day last day, uh, excuse me, at the end of the day yesterday at our Last school, day. That's uh, preschool broken talk. arm. <laughs> oh, uh, we, had, we had the first, uh, this is the first broken bone in our school since I've been here. I, uh-huh. I contacted the previous director and asked, is the second broken bone in the life of the school? <laughs> um, and this child was jumping out. We have a big wooden cube in the common room and there's a big soft mat that the kids jump onto all the time. And it, you know, I think this week kids have done that jump a thousand times. And, you know, that day, that particular child had done it 20 times in 10 minutes and just landed on their arm in, in the wrong way and broke their arm. And mm-hmm. that stinks. Uh, and I wish that didn't happen. Yeah. But we just did this, um, uh, met with staff today and we did our whole risk uh, reassessment protocol. And there are little things that we're going to change about how we use that space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that we all kind of agreed we could be more mindful of. But that particular thing is like, no, the thing he was doing was not too risky. Fall <laughs> Dome was there and he fell on it. Uh-huh. Um, the, you know, this is a thing that we've seen kids do over and over and over again. And back to what we were saying before, part of our risk assessment protocol is we start by saying, what are the benefits of this material yeah. or of this thing? And the teachers just rattle them off. It's like, oh, it's such a social space. They're building confidence. There's so much self-care. They're building self-regulation when they wait for turns. They're, they just went on and on at a certain <laughs> point. It was like, well, clearly we could keep talking, but let's move on to the next part because there's so much benefit that comes out of these physically active and sometimes risky spaces. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's a great place to start the conversation. That was another thing that really hit me when I read, when I read through the book, I, and it brought to this is a a probably pretty common sort of example, but it brought to mind a time when um, I was on the playground with two year olds, almost three year olds, I think, and two boys, Uh, one was coming down the slide and one was trying to go up the slide. Mm -hmm. And the rule is no going up the slide, but I was there. So they went up slide. It was one of those, well, when they're out here, you can not, but when I'm out here, it's okay. Kind of conversations. And uh, people were just scandalized because I let it happen, but there was, and I, so I I said, which part of what you just saw would you wish hadn't happened? Like, look at, think about the negotiating and the, the social socializing and the, the language that you heard and the, um, you know, the different ways that the one who was going up the slide had to use his body, mm-hmm. which part of that would you take away Yeah. in, in the interest of, well, our rule is just a flat, you don't ever go up the slide. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I think too, I, I think you're, that's exactly right. Um, uh, that there's so much benefit and, and that kind of, you know, the bad thing, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, actually happens quite rarely. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's important to remember that even when the quote unquote bad thing does happen, that there's still so many benefits that the child, you know, gets the bonk on the head and learns something in that, you know, it's like, okay, well, I wish the bonk hadn't happened, but I'm <laughs> glad that they learned about, you know, what choices they're going to make next time or about uh-huh. being aware of space or about maybe I shouldn't swing that thing that way or, you know, or they, or, 
you know, the bad thing happened, but it came, you know, after this 15 minute cooperative game that was so beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, and then also they got a bonk in the thing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing that like, you know, the bad thing happens pretty rarely and the good stuff happens a lot. And then even when the bad thing happens, good stuff often really comes with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just something that's easy to forget when we're thinking about like, well, what's the downside of this? The downside can kind of eclipse the picture. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's easy to do because we, it comes with good intentions. I think that yep. tendency <laughs> to jump to safety first and what's the worst could ha that could happen. Some of it is self-preservation because we're afraid of what other people will say mm -hmm. if there's an injury or we don't want to have that conversation. With I think families, families at the do end that of the day. a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm super conscious when I take my kid to the playground of like, what do other families think? What do other families see? I think, you know, because I am who I am, I'm less worried about it in terms of like, what risks is my child taking? But I'm super conscious of it of like, what are my child's interactions with other children? <laughs> and in a way that like, if it were at my house on a play date or if it were at my my school I'm like oh, I'm gonna let this conflict play out and see how it goes mm -hmm. but at the playground I'm like well uh, what are people gonna think and I'll step in sooner and blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah. think that actually serves the children no um, but I have definitely made a decision that I wouldn't make if I was the only one there yeah, yeah. because I didn't I felt too lazy to have the conversation with the adults <laughs> around me that day like I just didn't have it in me to explain my rationale yeah, so um, I think parents do that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. It's like, well, what would other people think? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to adjust because of that. And that's yeah. a natural thing to do too. Sure. But it's, I just almost spit my cough drop out. Sorry you had to see that, Jared. And I don't know what that will sound like for the listeners. But <laughs> um, you did, Jared did ask if we edit anything out of the podcast. And I was like, no, it, <laughs> it just all comes out. Cough drops and all. Um, so can I ask you to just, I mean, I'm, I think everyone should read the book who's listening, um, honestly, and that's not just because I'm looking at you, but um, can, you, can you do like just a nutshell, ver like what do you t mean when you're talking about resilience in this oh, book? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, by resilience, I guess, I mean, broadly speaking, the, re the ability to recover from life's setbacks. And the book is largely about that in the context of active play and injuries or, or fearfulness. Um, but I do believe very strongly, and I speak to this some in the book, um, that it maps incredibly well to emotional resilience in other contexts. And mm -hmm dealing with frustration or, or um, anxiety or other things, I do think those skills really map out. And um, one of the people I quote in my book is my uh, good friend and now colleague, because I hired her since I've written the book, <laughs> Carrie Fafferman, who um, for years was a kindergarten teacher at uh, a wonderful place called the Philadelphia School. And of the many interesting things about the Philadelphia School is they take the kids to the woods every week. They mm -hmm. put them on a bus and drive up to the Wissahickon Creek. Um, and Carrie talks incredibly eloquently about the ways that playing in the woods is important to academic development. And when parents are like, well, what are you doing out there playing around? And she's like, oh, I can tell you exactly why this is beneficial to your child learning to read or do math. And she talks very much about how when you're learning new skills in math or in reading or anything else, um, you're going into the unknown and that is taking a risk. And mm -hmm. it's so easy for kids to look at a math problem that they're not sure they know how to do, you know, and kind of throw up their hands or make mm -hmm. excuses or not try. Um, and she's found year after year that like helping kids 
learn to be confident in jumping from a high place or in going to a high place and choosing not to jump, either one of those, but saying like, <laughs> I have the confidence to make good choices and try things and care for myself, that then they bring that back to the classroom in other yeah. contexts. And they're learned, they're trying to sound out a word and the kid who's afraid of taking risks is, doesn't want to try taking the risk to sound out sure. a word. And the kid who's comfortable with the risk say, oh yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. So could it, does it translate then or transfer also to maybe they took that risk, it didn't work out, but they're okay. Is that part of yeah. that too, you think? Oh, absolutely. That, you know, learning that like, you know, it, it's because resilience is a process of recovery. It's not a process of saying nothing's going to go wrong because mm -hmm. now I'm resilient. In, in fact, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> I have achieved full resiliency. <laughs> and, and now, no problem. I, I get hurt and I literally don't notice. No, it's about like I fall down and it hurts and I know what to do about it. Or mm -hmm. I fall down and it hurts, but I am conscious that in a few minutes I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Even if I, you know, the, I'm, this is unpleasant right now, but I know I'll feel better in a minute. Or this is unpleasant right now, but I know I can go to the kitchen and get myself an ice pack. Mm -hmm. Or this is unpleasant right now, but look, my friends are coming over around me and giving me comfort and that helps me feel better. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the same. I think that's very much the same thing, whether in social situations or academic situations or problem solving situations, that children can be in the situation, learn to be in the situation of I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know I will be okay. Mm -hmm. I know that if I'm feeling frustrated or hurt or disappointed, that I have the resources and the strategies to take care of myself and to recover from that. Yeah. So it's not about being okay all the time. It's about, um, yeah, building that skill set and that mindset. And, and I strongly believe and I've seen evidence for that those are learnable skills and mm -hmm. learnable mindsets. It's not, some kids are naturally you know, more bounce back even others, but every kid can learn to increase those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I just felt like that was really, that made so much sense to me when I was first presented with that idea mm -hmm. of the connection between the, the, the physical play or the risk assessment kinds of things and the yeah. academic yeah. Uh, goals that people have for children. Um, so before we, uh, and you, maybe this is a whole other episode, sure. Can you can you offer like just a really quick um how would you respond to a parent who had concerns oh, or is sure. that too long for wrapping I, up? No, I did that this week too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean oh there's so many things to do and I think um I think a lot of it and something that that I will say I don't do enough of um but I should is ha has to do with proactive communication before anything goes mm -hmm. wrong. So from from the very earliest times that families are coming to your school to tour, to consider it, you know, making it clear that this is a space where we have these kinds of practices and this is why, and these are the benefits. And let's look at these kids, look at these amazing <laughs> things they're doing and how confident they are. Uh -huh. um, and so that, so that partially so that nobody's, no family is entering into it um, and feels blindsided by it. You don't mm -hmm. want anybody to come in and say like, wait a second, you're letting them jump from where? No, 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 that's not what we signed up for. <laughs> you want them to have an idea, but you also want a chance to convince them of, you know, these are our learning goals. This is why resilience is important. This is why it matters to, you know, the long-term well-being of your child. Um, you know, all those things. Uh, and then it also has to do with proactively 
building positive relationships and communication mm -hmm. before you need it. You don't want the parent, first parent phone call to be like, so your kid is bleeding a little bit right now. Mm -hmm. Like that's a bad first conversation. You want the entire school from, you know, administrators, teachers, whoever else to be building positive relationships mm -hmm. around interacting about each child's family. So sharing positive anecdotes, asking about families so that there's this, trust built up over time you can't do it quickly and you can't do it yeah. inauthentically but families need to know need to need to know that they know what's going on with their child they need to uh, have a sense that we know that um, our child is well cared for that these teachers are attentive and responsible and they build that not by you telling them we are being attentive but by the fact that you're you know <laughs> telling them things that you've attended to each right. day so that then when something happens you're entering that conversation from a place of um, we know that our child has been attended to. So this child that broke their arm yesterday, um, I talked to the parent this morning and there was, you know, of course I was nervous about that conversation because mm -hmm. I'm going to be nervous about that mm -hmm. conversation. But the parent was just, you know, uh, just very much like, oh, you know, this stuff happens. <laughs> um, you know, and not every family would be like that. Right. But, but part of that is a sense of this parent has been in our school has seen the level of care and attention has been communicated with um, so that when something happens, even something as serious as a broken arm, it's not like this is the first time hearing about what my child's experience is. It comes from a bedrock of, I know how well cared for my child is. I know the learning that my child is doing. I'm confident mm -hmm. in the professionalism of the teachers. Um, and so it's so much easier to respond with like, well, oh, these things happen. Yeah. I had to do my first injury phone call in this job that I'm in now several months ago. And um, one of the first, it was just, it wasn't a serious injury, but there was, you know, some marks on the face that I wanted them yep. to be prepared for before they came yep. to pick up. And so I, I called, but before I dialed, I, I remember vividly thinking, man, I wish this was so-and-so's mom instead because I have such a better, you know, a more comfortable relationship. And so then my next thought was, well, then I need to work on my relationship yeah, exactly with this right. mom. If that's, that's the way exactly I'm feeling right. about having this conversation, then I have work all to do. Human. We all, you know, every teacher has the kids they're more connected with and the kids sure. are less connected with. And some families are just really personable and laid back and easy to chat with and some aren't. And that's mm -hmm fine and you know and we all know that we have to be especially proactive with the families that we're not so connected with yeah you know, and and be thinking about that before there's any kind of problem um you know and it's also you know some families worry about injuries a lot and some don't and that's you know just variation mm -hmm. um but all uh, both with kids, with families, and there's a whole chapter in the book about working with other teachers. <laughs> yes, and yeah. Administrators and how do we build practices together? All of these things are just relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah, that's, that's true. All any of it is. And it, it kind of comes back to my entire philosophy of teaching early childhood, which is that like it's it's not about building particular skill sets, it's about we're helping them become people. Uh -huh. These kids are growing up to be people and here we are and we're here for it and we're here to be guides and supports. And there's not, you know, it's just learning to be people in the world and being connected with other people. And that's the learning that there is. So to me, the resilience is just a 
piece of that that is like, oh, this is, you're going to go out in the world and have your life. And I hope you can do it with resilience. <laughs> Sounds like I was planning that as the end that of the was saying, There's, there's the, button on it. the perfect but, uh, wrap up. But no, that was entirely <laughs> luck. So I don't know if you've ever listened to any episodes, but I'm yeah. quite skilled at the awkward wrap up. So you just did me a favor. <laughs> okay. But then I went and talked about it and spoiled the whole thing. So, you could, okay. All right. You could so edit that fits. out if you were the type of person. To right. No, no, we just, no, we just put it all out there and the people Sorry, know what audience. they're getting. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for writing the book. And uh, this has been a great conversation. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. And if uh, any of your listeners are ever around Philadelphia, they're welcome to come and observe at our school. Awesome. Nice. I haven't been there forever. We took off going down a rabbit hole. I took my daughter several years ago because she was looking at Bryn Mawr. So we weren't far. And uh, that was the last time I'd been there. But it's a great town. Yeah, I didn't know your school then. So, okay. Anyway, thank you again, Jared. My pleasure. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope you come back again for another episode. Goodbye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.